0: Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E.com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Read the Chicago Reader to get up to speed on what's what in Chicago. Culture. Food arts and entertainment weekly concert listings weekly event listings the environment travel i can continue but you get the point point. and for all of you chicago political junkies raw weekly columns on real city politics from maya duke masova and our very own ben Jarovsky, the chicago reader free to the public in newsstands throughout the city and online at chicagoreader.com read it now and be a more informed chicagoan frank uh, wants us to play a song of the day but his song of the day is for his favorite college football team, the Alabama Crimson Tide. How do you feel about that, Ben? Oh, Deacon Blue? Deacon Blue. Is that what he wants? No, he, he's, his song is Sweet Home Alabama, but... Oh, I hate that song, but I'll right. do it for Frank because well, I love Frank. All right, your Ben Jorovsky show Four Friday, November 20th is moments away, but before we do this, let's thank these unions or one union really, the Chicago Federation of Labor. Thank you Chicago Federation of Labor. And today's Ben Jarofsky show is brought to you by the Chicago Reader for all there is to know in the city of Chicago. Check out chicagoreader.com, subscribe to the Chicago Reader, and if you want to support this show, definitely subscribe to the Chicago Reader. All right. Sweet Home Alabama. Let's hear it, Ben. All right, before I- Before I do that, let me just say this, Frank, you're not
1: alone. My dear friend, love him dearly, Mick McDumpkey, loves this song. We've had many debates about this song. I'm much more of the Neil Young fan uh, for Southern Man. And Mick's like, can't we just like them both? (laughs) Mick's like the Joe Biden when it comes to it. Can't we just all get along, huh? (laughs) So here we go. (laughs) (laughs) So I'll I'll, uh, do my own little uh, version of it.
0: Sweet... Home, not Alabama, sweet home, not Alabama. Like that, I uh, I gotta say, hands down, <laughs> the worst song of the day we've ever done. How about Southern Man with a sizzling guitar solo? <laughs> I mean, not That's even an guitar. effort to sing, sweet home, not Alabama. <laughs> well, you
1: try doing sweet home and then put the knot in there, it's not that easy. Especially
0: when you can't sing to begin with. Do you ever think of that? No. The Ben Jarofsky Show starts now. It is Friday, November 20th, and live from my apartment in his attic, this is The Ben Jarofsky Show. Today on the program, it's another Ramana Rundown with Chicago Sun Times editor Ramana Hussein, And now, your host, Chicago reader columnist Ben Jarofsky.
1: Hello, everybody. Ben Jarofsky here. We're calling this Weirdsville Friday, and here's why. I know we're supposed to be a super serious news affair podcast, right, Dave? Oh, says who? <laughs> And I know these these are uh, definitely super serious times, what with uh, Donnie Trump bringing in state legislators from Michigan to seat their own electors, thus undoing the will of the people, a state Michigan that Joe Biden won by over 150,000 votes, a coup, you might call it. So, yes, we, we should take these things very serious. On the other hand, every now and then, something occurs in the midst of these serious times that is so That shit crazy that I don't know. You just pause and you say to yourself, did I see that? Did that really happen? Is this America? Or have we all gone to weirdsville? I'm talking, of course, about Rudy Giuliani's performance yesterday at his 90-minute press conference, which was certifiably insane. It's not just the rambling, unfocused, make it up as you go along, conspiracy theories about a fraud that never happened. Though that's probably the biggest part about it. No, it's not even when he starts babbling about Hugo Chavez, like what in the world are you doing and why are you doing it? I mean, folks, I remember in last year's uh, last, not last year's, the 2018 Democratic primary for governor, we had a candidate named Robert Marshall. Remember him, D? He came into the show. Uh-huh. Robert Marshall.
0: Yes, I remember <laughs> Robert Marshall quite well.
1: <laughs> and he was a dude who had a plan to divide the state of Illinois into three regions and said, if if you elect him governor, that's what he would do. And he came to the studio with the map in his hand, the proposed map. Remember? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, as I'm saying to him, you know, I'm like taking him seriously. He's like questioning, like, well, why do you divide it here? He goes, yeah, yeah. It's just a piece of paper. I mean, I'll have to be wedded to this thing. We can change it, you know. <laughs> oh my God,
0: that guy yeah, was, that was awesome. <laughs> all right, now uh, listen. What well, you know is you take the state and you divide it into three. All right, three. Wait, <laughs> where's everybody going? That's a good plan. Yeah, well, watching Rudy. <laughs> <laughs> and he, yeah, he came to the he came to the station. Robert Marshall. Good times. Yeah, he came to the station. Uh,
1: he, you know, he, did, he, he faced the cannons. <laughs> D- Dennis, the vending machine ate my dollar. <laughs> Help me. But he had the map. That's what I remember. He, had, he brought the map to uh, the studio and was waving it in the air as we sat there. You know? Like, <laughs> so uh, I was thinking of Robert Marshall uh, when I was watching Rudy Giuliani's performance yesterday. But there's an important distinction between uh, Marshall and Rudy Giuliani. Robert Marshall, even when he was waving the map in the air, wasn't as batshit crazy as Rudy Giuliani. I mean, Rudy's performance, I can't even get the words out. Obviously, there's the one, the most obvious bizarre thing was the leaking ears. He puts some gunk on his hair. He's sweating like a horse. And then the dye starts to... Dripped down his face, looked like some comic villain from Batman. People all over America, I know what They're, they're like <laughs> watching this and going, "Is what's that stuff running down Rudy Giuliani's face?" Say what you will about Robert Marshall, he never had black hair paint running down his face. Was it dye? Was it mascara? Is that is it spray? Paint? Is that hair gel? <laughs> Was it a spray? Was it spray paint? New York Times assigned a reporter to find out the answers. How about that, D? The New York Times has sent some reporter out. He called salons all over New York City. Well, Ben Jarofsky's show didn't have to call salons all over Chicago. He mean, I didn't make Dennis get on the phone and go, Hi, I'm Dennis from the ben, Benny J Show, uh, a.k.a. Dr. D, not a doctor.
0: <laughs> uh, I'll, we i to never <laughs> say that, and I'll never do that. <laughs> uh, we want to know, is that Ty? No, no.
1: I didn't, I didn't ask Dennis to do that because we have our own in-house hair expert, my wife with over 40 years in the hair business. So I asked my wife, what was that stuff dripping down Rudy's sweaty face? And here's what she said in a quote, it's spray on color or rinse to use when you shampoo to cover gray. It would be temporary coloring, not something you get into a salon, get in a salon. So don't blame a salon. It's something to cover gray or a rinse you put in your hair after shampoo. He probably sprayed it on himself, like out of a hairspray paint. Hmm, how about that? We have experts too. Take that, New York Times. But as weird as the leaking ears were, that was not the weirdest part of Rudy's performance. I would say the rudest, most disgusting part came when he blew his nose and then wiped his handkerchief in his hands, then wiped his handkerchief over his face, then put his handkerchief back into his pocket, and then, was like, shaking hands with people with the whole world watching. I gotta tell you this. Robert Marshall, with his map, most definitely never did that. There's a guy who put up a TikTok bit doing a play-by-play of Rudy uh, blowing his nose. We'll probably play it a little while later with uh, Romana, do the breakdown. Folks, look, I know the coup is outrageous. Calling in legislators from Michigan to try to convince convince them to undo the will of the people is treasonous. Calling the certifiers from Wayne County to pressure them into uncertifying the votes from Detroit. And only Detroit is the stuff of banana Republicans. Plus, it's racist as all hell. Uh, And uh, anytime you want to take a break from denouncing Michael Joseph Madigan Republicans, feel free to weigh in. Come on, Tribune editorial board, come out from under that table. But as outrageous as all this is, it's hard to take it as serious as, as it deserves, as serious as it must be taken, when the people implementing this coup are such buffoons we got a great show today everybody ramana hussein will be here our favorite sun times editor columnist yeah in let's go
0: baby let's go
1: uh ramana hussein uh who was a guest on the mark sims show so my world's coming together mark you did an outstanding job as you always do and mark said something to you that i'm gonna be stealing hold on oh there we go uh yeah, I'm going to be stealing this for a long time, Mark. Just <laughs> telling you who is really good closing line. Where is it? I thought I Oh, here we go. Hold on, D. Um, he closed his interview uh, with uh, Romana by saying Close us out with a little wisdom. I thought that was a great line.
0: Close us out with a little wisdom. I mean, I can't think of, of a better way to help out our fellow podcasting uh, neighbors than uh, rip them off and uh, steal their saying. So go for it. Yeah, that'd be great. Yeah. That'll help them out. I think, well, I'm about them credit sometimes. <laughs> okay. All right. As Mark
1: Sims likes to say, close us out <laughs> with a little wisdom. Every now and then I'll just go. Close us out with a little wisdom. I won't give Mark Sims any credit. And the guests will go, what a brilliant closing line, Ben. Where did you come up with that? And they go, <laughs> just occurred to me. Uh, anyway, Romano saying will be here. A lot of uh, political talk or recommendations. But before we do that, the young man from home, the man they call Dr. D
0: with the news hey guys what's going on nobody calls me that i'm dennis (laughs) before we find out what's happening in chicago and or illinois for the fourth and final time this week we need to try and convince all of you listening at the moment to check out this weekend's benny j bonus interviews every saturday sunday and monday morning while we're away a brand new interview for you to play at the Chicago Reader website, and wherever else you download podcasts. Let's go through this weekend's lineup on Saturday. Sports, 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 yeah! Our Ben Jarofsky (laughs) Loves the Bulls series continues with our 2020 NBA Draft Special with Miles the Editor-Porter and Benji the Bookie. Yeah, Benji the bookie uh, comes in And I know all my listeners out there aren't sports
1: fans I realize that, I appreciate it And I thank you for allowing me to indulge my love for the Bulls uh, From time to time But this is a lot of fun And actually, Dennis participated as well <laughs> Yeah, it was, you know, it was yeah, I know, <laughs> yeah, Dennis, Mr. Oh, don't Talk About Sports but you guys don't know He's a huge basketball fan Spends a lot of time watching it on
0: YouTube Yeah, I kind of got painted as the grumpy guy in this So we'll go, hey, go check it out It's good, it's good times Yeah, the grumpy guy, Harumph (laughs) He was
1: playing his inner Harumph card Uh, It was a lot of fun And uh, Benji the Bookie uh, Got that name, he's earned that name The man's been known to Wager a bet or two or three or four or five or six or seven or eight or nine.
0: Well, he's not going to be betting on the uh, podcast you're going to hear. We're going to be talking all things the NBA draft. Uh, How did the Bulls do? How does how is the NBA season looking? Uh, Who should the Bulls get in a trade? Things like that. It's our uh, sports, 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 sports edition of the Ben show. Ben loves the Bulls. The NBA draft special on Saturday on Sunday. The return of a dear friend. It's been a long time since we had him on the program, and I'm so glad we got him back. Out Chicago's own Scott Duff. Ben, what are you going to talk about with Scott Duff?
1: Well, you know, the thing about Scott Duff, uh, he's a man for all seasons. Uh, so he, you could talk politics with him. You could talk movies with him. You could talk comedy with him, uh, recipes with him, Thanksgiving coming up. Uh, we may talk about, uh, you know, what is he going to make for Thanksgiving? The guy does his own, uh, has his own cooking show. But, you know, with Scotty, you never know where the conversation is going to go, D. So I have no idea. You know what I'm saying? He's a like, wild man. You could have... He's the wild man He's a stand-up comedian uh, Very much It's an improv So you got like 10 things you want to discuss Want to cover And maybe You'll talk about one thing uh, And then Nine things That you didn't realize You were going to talk about So It's it's always a blast Uh, It's He's truly a funny man And a a wise
0: man In his Uh, own way A very wise man A very (laughs) funny man Yeah, Cooking Stuff with Scott Duff, I believe it's called. Go find that on YouTube. Watch some videos maybe before you check out the interview. Uh, Scott Duff, good guy. Ben, hold your ears, please. I got something I need to say. I don't think you want to hear it. Um, Okay. All right, great. Uh, Scott Duff is the host of Out Chicago on WCPT 820. The station that fired Ben. So, you know, it's a great show. 11 a.m. until 1 p.m. on WCPT 820. All right, Ben, unplug your ears. You're good. Can I unplug my ears? My ears are plugged, so I can't hear you. Yeah, unplug your ears. Unplug
1: your ears. Okay, I'm reading your your lips. Could you say it a little slower? It's hard to read the lips. Oh, unplug my ears. Yeah, yeah. By the way, Scott Duff is the host of a radio show on... Damn, I forgot the name of that station. It's
0: WCPT 820. They fired you. Okay. Oh, yeah. Yeah. See you later. (laughs) That's on Sunday at 5 a.m. All right. Uh, 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 Chicago Reader website and wherever else you download (laughs) podcasts. And finally, on Monday, our good friend Karen Hawkins of the Chicago Reader. A lot to talk about with Karen. Isn't that right, Ben? Politics, newspapers, the future of podcasting. Talk about uh, the podcasting network that the
1: Reader's putting together. And uh, Karen Hawkins. Uh, Great person, dear friend of mine So yes, political talk Media talk Podcasting talk
0: Looking forward to it. Guys, we're always throwing something up on the download. Go check it out if you haven't yet. The Ben Jarofsky Show on the Chicago Mm -hmm. Reader website, wherever else you download podcasts. This weekend's lineup, Saturday, all things sports with Benji the Bookie and Miles the Editor. Sunday, Scott Duff, host of Out Chicago. And Monday, Karen Hawkins of the Chicago Reader. It's this weekend's Benny J. Bonus Interviews, available at 5 a.m. this weekend. Okay, let's do the local news. Everybody is talking about it today. Madigan Gate, the time when utility giants ComEd admitted to arranging jobs, contracts, and payoffs to associates of one Michael Joseph Madigan. <laughs> we have more updates. And yes, we're doing the bus bit again. More, Democrat, uh, more Democrats have jumped on board, and they're ready to throw the speaker under it. But first, we begin in Chicago. Today, the local news went national. Activists who protested in Chicago over George Floyd's death filed a lawsuit Thursday accusing city police officers of brutally attacking and falsely arresting them during the demonstrations. In a 205-page lawsuit filed in federal court, more than four dozen people say officers responded to lawful demonstrations with, quote, brutal, violent, and unconstitutional tactics that are clearly intended to injure, silence, and intimidate plaintiffs and other protesters. According to the lawsuit, police beat the protesters with batons, often striking them in the head, tackled and beat protesters while on the ground, used chemical agents against protesters, and trapped protesters in enclosed areas. The lawsuit officers also destroyed or confiscated protesters' belongings, including glasses, cameras, and backpacks. It lists the city, police superintendent David Brown, and several named and dozens of unnamed officers as defendants.
1: Yeah, this is serious stuff, Uh, as opposed to Rudy Giuliani's hair leaking. And um, I'll start by saying this. Uh, I've been promoting the hell out of City So Real, Steve James documentary, uh, outstanding documentary about the mayoral election of 2019 here in Chicago, really about Chicago. The epilogue to it, which I think is must watch, uh, has to do with the events over the summer, including protests, including uh, police uh, (laughs) whacking protesters over the head with batons, and including some demonstrators uh, agitating police, throwing things at police, it's all there. Uh, And one thing that becomes clear from watching the documentary and thinking about what went down this summer and uh, remembering the interviews I've done with various people who were witnesses uh, to the protests, I myself was hiding out for most of the summer, because of the pandemic in my attic. Uh, But one of the things that becomes clear, uh, D, is that not much has changed in the city of Chicago from 1968 when police, uh, every single cop from 68, I'm sure, is long since retired, whacked the heck, I mean, whacked the hell out of uh, demonstrators uh, at the Democratic National Convention. There is such a cultural difference between uh, by and large, I'm speaking in general terms here, ladies and gentlemen. I realize that I'm sure it's not the case with absolutely every single police officer and absolutely every single uh, demonstrator. Uh, so, with that disclaimer put to the side, there is such a cultural gap between uh, people who serve on the Chicago police force and people who take to the streets to protest um, police brutality, among other things. And so, I just, it just seems to me. That there's this like this hatred that a lot of cops have for the demonstrators. So just like there was hatred that a lot of cops had for the hippie demonstrators back in 68. And you you got the baton, you got that power, they're yelling things at you. Even if they're not literally in your face yelling things at you, some of the the, the things that they're saying is triggering. Like, and man, you got that baton, whack. I mean, this is old story in Chicago. And, you know, we've talked about this a lot with uh, Troy LeRabier, uh when he uh, came on the show uh, and other uh, observers of the uh, protests and the police response. There has never been, there's never been any kind of, what, investigation, any kind of hearing Uh, any kind of city run analysis of one, the strategy that uh, the police were following throughout the summer with these protests. Two, what role Mayor Lori Lightfoot had in all of this. We still haven't gotten to the bottom of what was going on with Popcorn Gate. Remember that one? The police sitting in Bobby Rush's uh, campaign, uh, his uh, congressional office. All these things that happened. Why were all the police surrounding Trump Tower? Why were they protecting Trump Tower? What's with raising the bridges? Whose idea was that? Never any kind of analysis of like what the strategy was, whose idea was it to implement the strategy. Did Lori Lightfoot lose control of the police? Or or were they acting uh, based on her decisions? None of that. You know, it's like Chicago uh, has amnesia, doesn't want to study it. Just like Lori Lightfoot saying, well, there's some cops are bad apples, but most of them are good. And that's the end of it. So I remember in 68, uh, it it took a federal uh, investigation to get at what the police rioting. That's what they called it. So I don't know. Maybe this lawsuit will be the way we finally get some answers to these questions. You know, this is how it goes in chicago the same thing happened by the way d in 2003 with the iraqi war protesters people took to the streets of chicago uh, after uh, george bush george w bush invaded iraq it's so bizarre how this stuff works out george w bush invaded iraq uh, thousands and thousands of people took to the streets some of whom are some of the same protesters who took to the streets this time around the older protesters, obviously. Uh, and when they left, when they, over, they took uh, Lakeshore overtook Lakeshore drive, sh- shut down traffic in the middle of rush hour. And when they left Lakeshore drive and came back to uh, the loop uh, to the Gold coast, excuse me, there was mass arrests and there was a lawsuit and a lot of money was uh, paid out. And that was the only way we got any kind of answers. We didn't really get legitimate answers as to what was going on. My humble opinion was Mayor Richard M. Daley's way of showing George W. Bush how much he supported Bush's war effort. It's so funny because Donald Trump, who is now um, like the champion of the police, pretends as though he was anti-war, like he was against the war in Iraq. And that in retrospect, uh, he wants to undo it. It's so funny. It's just the same man who inflames situation by denouncing all protesters as lawless hooligans and thugs and sort of justifies in the minds of some cops, you know, whacking them over the head. So ultimately, D, it's going to cost taxpayers the money, I presume. Uh, Things go the way they usually do be a lot of payout for this lawsuit. But I hope along with the payout, we get some answers finally uh, to some of the questions I just raised.
0: All right. Another city news. Damn it. It happened again. Someone threw a brick through the front window of 15th Ward Alderman Ray Lopez's southwest side office for the third time Thursday night. (laughs) At about 10.50 p.m., a male threw a brick through the front window of an office in the 2700 block of West 47th Street, and three males were seen running from the scene. This is according to Chicago police. Uh, Ray Lopez posted a surveillance video to Twitter early Friday showing three people throwing bricks at the office and asked the public to help identify the suspect. His office was previously vandalized twice in July with bricks thrown through the front windows. That month, someone also threw a brick into Lopez's Brighton Park home and set fire to a neighbor's garage. Lopez sent out a tweet this morning about it, and he's putting some blame on Chicago Mayor Lori Lightfoot here uh, and Police Superintendent David Brown. Here's the tweet from Lopez. Tweet! By all means, keep sending our officers downtown, Mayor. At what point will she and Brown realize their policies are fueling brazen acts like this? I will push on, but my residents are sick of living in fear because criminals know they have the upper hand with our district's short officers. Yeah, I'm listen.
1: Yeah, Ray Lowe comes on this uh, show it hasn't been on in a couple weeks. I'm going to bring him on next week after the budget vote. We can talk about all this. I don't know how much this is Lori Lightfoot's fault or David Brown's fault, uh, but clearly uh, Raylo uh has been targeted uh, by thugs down on the, the 15th war. And um, I remember in the days of Rahm, uh, when Ron was the mayor, Ray Lopez had uh, death threats against him. Remember, D? We came into the studio again. He had an undercover police officer with him, a bodyguard. Yeah. Um, the, the 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 only th- my favorite part of the whole thing was I said something that was so funny that the bodyguard actually laughed. It's my high point of my interviewing career.
0: <laughs> but uh, you know, the guy's like, "Yeah, hey, that's
1: not bad." You
0: know, bodyguards <laughs> love <laughs> Ben. You know, what can we say? <laughs> No, this dude had a stone face. He was pretty, kind of a
1: serious-looking guy. I forget; I can't remember what I said. It was a long time ago. But he's like, "Hey, that's not bad." <laughs> so uh, I don't know, Rayla. We're gonna bring Rayla on. Is it Lori's fault? Uh, you know, I, I I've not heard as Lori Lightfoot said anything. Defending him? Oh, I a, no. Is she I haven't heard anything any yet. I haven't
0: heard anything yet. Yeah. Lopez said uh, he is working with detectives to identify the individuals in- involved. He believes the vandalism was gang-related. In a text message to the Chicago Sun-Times Friday morning, Lopez said all items in the office had been boxed and the office closed for the last two weeks. He plans to move to a new location. Not the worst idea, Raylo. Uh, also, I saw the picture and just saying, Raylo, when you get that new location... How about we lose that giant sign that says 15th Ward Alderman Ray Lopez? I think that would really help. <laughs> well, I, I mean, that's, <laughs> you can't, you can't blame him for putting a sign
1: up. It's like he can, should be allowed to put a sign up without getting stoned, someone throwing a brick through his window. It's scary stuff. And I think, uh, I don't know, I would appreciate if uh, Mayor Lori Lightfoot would speak out against it. Yeah, I know Mayor Lori Lightfoot, Raylo uh, is a critic. Yeah, and I know it's clearly he irritates the hell out of me. We play that exchange all the time. Uh, but I think Raylo uh, serves a very useful, important purpose in his own way. Uh, he's emerged as sort of the, the Scott Wagus back of our era, where um, he analyzes budgets uh, from just and a purely... Like budget analysis point of view, you know, doesn't have any po- political bent so much. Uh, he's not like our friends uh, from the progressive caucus uh, or um, from the uh, democratic socialist caucus who who want progressive taxation implemented. Raylo's Raylo, if Raylo has a political ideology, it's probably. Cl- well, he'd be really mad at me if I said it's probably closer to Trump uh, than it is uh, to uh, Lori Lightfoot, but uh, it's definitely to the right. But he's just doing basic good government analysis of the budget and how the mayor deals with the city council, and I welcome it. Uh, And so I'll probably bring him back to the show in a couple weeks to uh, get his thoughts on all this stuff. I want an answer. It's not something you ignore. I think you're 100%. Holy shit is what I think yes <laughs> that exchange that one hmm
0: hey Ben remember that time last spring when a botched demolition in Little Village blanketed the community in a thick mm. filthy plume of dirt and dust remember that Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 then remember when the state sued the company, Hillco Redevelopment uh, over air pollution violations. You remember that, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, we have a follow-up. Hillco Redevelopment Partners and two contractors will pay only $370,000 to settle the lawsuit. Kim Wasserman, executive director of Little uh, Little Village Environmental Justice Organization, said the dollar amount is, quote, chump change. Wasserman said it's disappointing and it continues to show that industry is the priority when it comes to who is being protected. Yeah. Once
1: again, some kind of investigation would be nice. Like, the whole role of the Lightfoot uh, administration uh, in this matter, did did they green light the demolition? I remember that was the issue back then. They, you know, it's funny how we never really... Uh, we got city council... You know, we had Inspector General, but we we never really get to the bottom of anything in Chicago. You know what I mean? Like we, the TIF program, my favorite example. Never ever uh, has anybody done an analysis to show how much extra on property taxes you pay through the program. And then, so you got the, the police and uh, how they handle uh, the protesters throughout the summer. Never analysis of that. This is another one. The Chicago, like, you don't want to know the truth. They got that Jack Nicholson. You can't handle the truth. They just bury all this stuff. I would love to know known what went down there. That was a bizarre. I remember that one very clearly. It was in the earliest days of the pandemic. They thought it was a good idea to tear down this building. Like dust everywhere. Uh, and the the alderman, Michael Rodriguez, said that nobody ran it by him. Then the mayor got mad at him. I'm mad at that alderman. Uh, War words ensued, and then nobody studies it. Let's let's just move on. So uh, yeah, three hundred. I wonder. I I haven't seen that story, D. So I don't know where the three hundred seventy thousand dollars is going. Is it going to the for what? I I don't know. Does it say who's getting the three hundred seventy thousand or what it's supposed to be used for?
0: Don't have the story on hand. I
1: guess. well, we'll have to opt look a little further, but uh could be just one of those. Here's $370,000. Now let this thing go away, all right? Let's turn the page.
0: Yeah, let's turn the page. Now to the news in the rest of Illinois, and it's the only news that anyone in Illinois wants to talk about. Illinois speaker Mike Madigan. <laughs> No, that's not your Uber outside. It's actually a giant bus with a lot of your Democratic colleagues on board waiting to roll you over in hopes that you resign. We uh, have more passengers who've jumped on, and you'll find out who they are in moments. But just to make sure we're all on the same page here, on Wednesday, a Mike Madigan confidant, two ComEd bigwigs, and the former president of City Club of Chicago were charged with bribery And after that news broke, Speaker Madigan, in a two-page press release, insisted he did nothing wrong. He's not been accused of or charged with any wrongdoing. And essentially, if you want him out, vote him out. Until then, get lost. Since then... (laughs) Since then, we have more people waiting to get on the bus, ready to roll over the speaker. We've seen quite a few Democratic politician press releases stating that it's time for a new speaker. But now to today's news. Uh, During his Thursday COVID-19 press briefing, Illinois Governor J.B. Pritzker gave his latest thoughts on Madigan Gate. The following comes from the Chicago Sun-Times and Rachel Hinton who, by the way, has been killing it with their coverage on all of this. Uh, it says here, days after an election night bruising, Governor J.B. Pritzker answered with a simple yes when asked whether Illinois House Speaker Michael Madigan needed to go as state Democratic Party chair. But four indictments and over two weeks later, the governor was less forceful Thursday in calling for Madigan to step down as House Speaker. Pritzker said, quote, If Speaker Madigan wants to continue in a position of enormous public trust, With such a serious ethical cloud hanging over his head, then he has to, at the very least, be willing to stand in front of the press and the people and answer every last question to their satisfaction. Written statements and dodged investigatory hearings are not going to cut it. If the Speaker cannot commit to that level of transparency, then the time has come for him to resign as Speaker. Pritzker went on to say that state residents, quote, do not deserve a political circus on top of dealing with a pandemic that has appended lives and livelihoods. But he said it's ultimately up to state lawmakers to decide who will lead them. Uh, Asked to clarify if he agreed with Senator Dick Durbin that the party needed new leadership, the governor simply responded, yes.
1: Yeah, there's a big difference between uh, taking a position on Madigan stepping down as chairman of the uh, Democratic Party, which is what Durbin did, and then dashing off to Washington. Well, he did that. Now I'm gone. Got another six years of Washington. Uh, and being the governor of the state of Illinois and having to deal with the state house uh, after you've urged Madigan to step down as House Speaker. And guess what? He doesn't step down. Then what do you do? So that's why uh, JB's. It's a little more of a challenge for J.B. Pritzker. And this, once again, I say this all the time, it's a lot harder to be J.B. Pritzker right now with all the problems that Illinois is facing with Madigan uh, as the uh, embattled Speaker of the House in the midst of a pandemic that half the state doesn't think is real than it is to be uh, Senator Durbin or Senator Duckworth or even Mayor Lori Lightfoot. You know, Mayor Lori Lightfoot, when it comes to the pandemic, exists in a little bubble of Chicago where people take the pandemic seriously. She doesn't have to deal with uh, MAGA out there. So this is another example of how tough it is to be the governor of the state of Illinois, which is a state, ladies and gentlemen, that has got lots of MAGA parts to it. You know, look the other way. You live in Chicago in the bubble. You don't realize a good chunk of the state uh, is just like Michigan. You know, just like Indiana. Is that And uh, Pritzker has to deal with that. Now, listen, I've been saying this for a long time, D. The first part of what Pritzker says. The days of Michael Madigan playing the Madigan game are over the old Wizard of Oz hiding out in his office, uh, issuing statements through his press spokesperson spokesperson from time to time, that doesn't cut it anymore. When you're like the centerpiece of this investigation that's closing in on you, and when you are the the face that the Republican Party uses to undercut Democratic candidates and Democratic initiatives throughout the state, and successfully have done that. You got to forcefully stand up and defend yourself and defend your career to people in Illinois. You can't just hide back. Like all those years when Ronner was governor and he would bash Madigan, and Madigan was like, I'm not going to dignify it by responding. Well, it may have worked with Rauner because he was so unpopular. There is no Rauner on the scenes anymore. So the Wizard of Oz game is not working. You either come out and defend yourself or step down. Now, we'll probably get into this uh, much more uh, with as you do the updates, D. But the reality is Pritzker does not know if the votes exist to defeat Madigan. So he doesn't want to stick his neck out and say he has to go and then turn around and then lose that power battle. Although I kind of wish he would, to be honest with you. I kind of wish he would just forcefully take a freaking stand on this thing. You know, I've, i i uh, call on Republicans to do the same with, regarding Trump and they won't. And I'm going to, Continue hammering this drum, D, because it's so hypocritical for Republicans to act as though Michael Madigan is uh, the greatest threat democracy faces right now. When Donald Trump's bringing in legislators from Michigan to undo the will of the people and trying to throw out the votes from Detroit, which is more brazen than anything Michael Madigan has ever done. So I'm not going to let Republicans off the hook. But I feel as that uh, J.B. Pritzker should exercise, should be a little more forceful in this he knows how detrimental Michael Madigan is to his initiative, he saw what happened to the fair tax, he saw what happened to uh, Judge Kilbride, so I wish he would speak out more but that cautiousness, that fear of Madigan apparently is still prevalent
0: Now, remember, everybody, not every Democrat in Illinois is calling for Madigan to resign. There are some standing by the speaker, and I have a statement to back it up. Chicago Federation of Labor President Bob Ryder on Thursday voiced unwavering support for Speaker Michael Madigan. Ryder told Fran Spielman on The Fran Spielman Show, which you can download now at the Chicago Sun-Times website and wherever you download podcasts. Ryder said, quote, The people that you've worked with to help make everyday people's lives better. You can't just walk away from that situation, especially in a situation like this, where there's this appearance that's been created that may, in fact, be divorced from actual reality.
1: Oh, that's Bob Ryder, my dear friend who came to my rescue after I got fired. Love you always, Bob Ryder. That's why Michael Madigan has to be forceful. We should not have to rely on Bob Ryder and House Democrats to speak up for Madigan. Madigan should come out and speak out for himself. Madigan should defend himself. No more two-page press releases (laughs) that read as though they were written by a committee of lawyers, publicists, poets. I like the one where you go, there was like a little poetic edge to, we talked about it yesterday. Uh-uh, Madigan has to come out and defend himself. And he has to be forceful about it. And he has to explain the way Bob Ryder explained why he, Madigan, has been good for the people of Illinois. Otherwise, they'll use him like a piñata. They'll be pounding him. And, and by the way, I'm just going to say, they're going to use Madigan to undercut pensions in the state. You watch. They use Madigan to undercut the fair tax. They use Madigan to under, undercut uh, Judge Kilbride. They use Madigan against every politician, every Democratic politician in the state, whether they had a relationship with Madigan or not. So if Madigan's not willing to defend himself, if Madigan's not willing to, I hate to say play a Trump card, but to fight a little bit then he's leaving his supporters hanging. Now, I know why Labor supports Madigan. Madigan stood by them. Madigan protected union rights in this state during the four years of Rahner. Roner declared war. That's what that was about, ladies and gentlemen. Bruce Rauner was trying to destroy unions in the state of Illinois, and Madigan kept him from doing it. And if it wasn't for Madigan... Ronner may have succeeded because I know Rahm Emanuel wasn't st- standing up for uh, unions. And I don't think John Cullerton, who was the Senate president, was standing up for unions. So I understand why Labor's very loyal. Uh, even lefty Labor, like my dear friends at the Chicago Teachers Union, you don't hear them calling for Madigan to step down, do you, Dee? So, you know, Madigan was there for Labor. And so Labor's going to be there. One thing I learned, I got to tell you, labor is very loyal. You guys are very loyal. And if you think if they think that you've been a friend of them, they'll stand by you. I learned this the hard way uh, when I was fired. So I can understand why uh, Ryder is standing by Madigan. And I don't think Madigan's doing much good uh, help to the Bob Ryder's of the world by not speaking out forcefully uh, for
0: himself. Yeah. Shout out to Bob Ryder, die Ryder. All right. And while it looks like Madigan may be down, we have some political bigwigs and political know-it-alls reminding us not to count him out. Here's a quote from former Illinois Governor Jim Edgar. Edgar said, quote, I would not count him out see he said it (laughs) he also said uh he's the smartest guy in the capitol building and very determined and he's not gonna go easily edgar went on to say quote maybe it is the end we'll see but again my experience has been with madigan is that he's a smart guy And here's Ace Springfield reporter Mark Maxwell on Twitter. We had him on the show uh, back in the day. Yes, Uh, we did. Mark Maxwell says, This is all fascinating to watch play out, but Madigan still has 55 votes and a very loyal base. No one else is remotely close. Madigan's magic has been in uniting warring factions in the caucus, and I wouldn't count him out until someone else can show show they can do that too.
1: Yeah. But i mean yeah that's he's got 55 votes huh he needs 60 right isn't that what he needs and uh, i'm no damn best but 55 is not 60. (laughs) Uh, so he's gonna have look i know he'll get on that phone he'll sweet talk somebody The, the deal is this if he does not have enough votes on the democratic side uh, to be uh, reelected as speaker, then he's going to have to get some votes from the Republican side. Uh, my recommendation to the Republican Party is that they should vote for. Him. I urge all Republicans uh, legislators to vote for Michael Madigan. Why? Because obviously uh, he, he's the best tool you have against Democrats. Duh, that's why you wouldn't have defeated uh, Thomas Kilbride if it wasn't for the way you used Madigan in those commercials and you wouldn't have defeated the fair Tax the way you used Madigan and you wouldn't have dripped Betsy Londrigan Dirksen or Dirksen Laundrigan excuse me Uh, she wouldn't have been dropped as like she was in her congressional race if it wasn't for Madigan so you know I'm just saying maybe you should consider Republicans voting for him so he's around uh, but that said, the point uh, that uh, Edgar and Maxwell making uh, is a very good one, D. Who's gonna dare to stand up on the Democratic side and challenge Madigan? And so uh, this will be a, a show that'll be unfolding for quite a while because if nobody steps up to challenge him, then you're gonna be asking those Democrats who've said they're not gonna vote for him to vote for a Republican. And I know that's not gonna happen. So yeah, this will be very interesting to watch this one play out. Uh, Michael Joseph Madigan obviously is not going anywhere anytime soon. Uh, so yeah, we'll see. We'll see how it plays out. Maybe the Republicans will give him the votes. That would be something. Darren Bailey suddenly, because <laughs> a ringing defense of Madigan.
0: <laughs> yeah, so we're gonna I mean, have to wait and funny. see what happens here. But Ben, like I said. We have a couple of folks waiting outside, waiting to get on this bus to roll over the speaker. We're being rude, all right? So let's welcome them on board. Ben, please watch your feet. First up, it's Representative Margaret Croak of Chicago. All right, welcome. Hey, Margaret, pay. Thank you. (laughs) Croak was recently elected to represent some of the cities near North Side and Lakefront neighborhoods. Uh, she joined the other representatives who said they would not be supporting the speaker for re-election on Thursday, saying, quote, Springfield cannot afford distractions that take our focus off of meeting those challenges head on. Yeah, if you recall, Margaret
1: Croak was uh, a supporter of J.B. Pritzker and he endorsed her. Uh, in that race. So, you know, I'm not surprised uh, that she uh, has spoken out against uh, Madigan. Again, Madigan's not particularly popular uh, with the north side of Chicago crowd. And uh, I've talked about this a lot. I've written about it a lot. It used to be uh, in the old days that uh, the north side of Chicago was the land of the Lakefront liberals. Uh, And it was sort of a derisive name that was um, applied to them. Uh, by uh, members of the regular organization and Mike Royko, a great Chicago Daily News columnist. But the notion was that uh, these were people who were anti-war, pro-civil rights, and they tied those larger uh, movements to the effort in Chicago to uh, have good government. So it was all kind of tied together. (laughs) The connections to, like, the lefty movements is pretty much gone. To a large degree, uh, Donald Trump, I think, got uh, I forget how much about the top of my head. Significant percentage of votes from the 42nd Ward, the Gold Coast and the 43rd Ward uh, and uh, the 40 eh, I, don't, I don't even think he got that high in the 44th. But um, in general, he does better in these wards than you would think. They're not that liberal, particularly on issues of taxation. They feel they're overtaxed to a large degree. Uh, and Michael Madigan represents what? Something unseemly to them. It's not like a hugely pro-union area. So Michael Madigan's not that popular on the north side of Chicago, uh, and uh, there's something uncouth about the speaker in that area. So yeah, I'm not surprised that North Side legislators would be a little reluctant uh, to sign on to Madigan and uh, because their constituents don't like Madigan. I know I live on the north side of Chicago. I know how northsiders feel about Madigan. They don't like him. You know, they kind of like, they read about him in the Tribune and they hear about him at WBEZ and they're like, this is not how government should work. This is, this is corrupt, Ben. You should take a stand against Michael Madigan. And I'm always a little reluctant to go along with him, D. Because it's like, I'll take a stand against Michael Madigan when you guys take a stand for unions, how about that? How about that? You know, i I draw I'm looking at the the bigger picture about democratic politics and the splits and divisions within the Democratic party. And so many of my friends of the liberal persuasion who live on the north side, they like really believe in a woman's right to choose. And they really believe uh, in environmental uh, regulations to keep the lake from being polluted. And they like the notion of good government, but they, you know, then the unions, I don't know. There's something so unseemly about the teachers union. Isn't that funny? Republican advances occurred in Wisconsin and Michigan at roughly the same time, they were undercutting collective bargaining and undercutting the unions. Attacks on unions are really attacks on Democratic parties. So when you hurt the unions, guys, I hate to say this, Northsiders, you're hurting the movement for reproductive rights. You're hurting the movement for environmental protections. All the things you say you believe in, you're undercutting. So Americans stood up for the unions. But you find it unseemly. So you don't want to, you know, get too close to that. And I... So I understand why Northside Reps D are um, turning against Madigan. They're going where their people are going. I just wish they would pause for a moment and think. Like when you're in a coalition, you're only as strong as every group in that coalition. So if you have a disdain for unions and you think they're unseemly and you don't care if Bruce Rauner, undercuts them and passes laws uh, that take away collective bargaining rights, files lawsuits that undercut collective bargaining rights. Don't be surprised when Illinois follows Wisconsin and Michigan and goes from blue to red. Just saying, don't be surprised because unions are part of the coalition as well. So D, am not surprised that North Siders, you know, like front liberals, they're not really strong on union rights by and large.
0: All right, we got another state rep jumping on the bus here, ready to move on from Madigan. And Ben, I need you to move on from the door. You're in the way. Come on, move. <laughs> Let's welcome Buffalo Grove State Rep Daniel Didek. Or is it D-Deck? Didek? D-Deck? I don't know. Get on the bus. Here's the statement from Didek. I guess, I don't know. (laughs) If you're coming to this show for correct pronunciation of last names, boy, I'm sorry to disappoint. Uh, here's the statement. "Quote Today I inform my colleagues that I believe now is the time for the first time in four decades for the House Democratic Caucus to choose a new speaker of the Illinois House of Representatives. It is critical that our work to select a new leader begins today. Every candidate for this important office deserves a fair shot and each member deserves the opportunity for their voice to be heard and respected. I am fully confident that we can soon select a speaker who will unite our caucus so we can continue our important work serving the people of Illinois. And we have one more state rep patiently waiting outside. It's 3rd District State Rep Eva Dina Delgado. Get on this bus. Hey. Delgado said quote, "The ongoing allegations surrounding Speaker Madigan have become a distraction from the important work before us during these unprecedented times. Therefore, I will not be supporting Speaker Madigan in his run for re-election as the Speaker of the Illinois House of Representatives. Our state has some serious issues to address, and now is the time for new leadership. So those are our new members that we uh, got on the bus now. The bus waiting to roll over Speaker Madigan uh, in hopes that he will resign. And with all of these late state reps jumping on, Ben, we need to do a little roll call. All right. I believe we are now at 18 state reps who are ready to roll this bus over Speaker Madigan. So let's do this. Let's do a quick roll call here. (laughs) All right. Roll call, guys. Gazzardi <laughs> Ever since he, Ever since Gazzardi's got on this bus He's just been a pain in my neck guy, come, Sit in the back Okay here we go <laughs> Ro- Roll call yeah. State reps We got Jonathan Carroll Kelly Cassidy Deb Conroy Margaret Croak Eva Dina Delgado Daniel Didek dick Is it D-Dick or Didek Who cares Daniel <laughs> We got Robin Gable we got uh, Jennifer Gong Gershowitz, Will Gazardi, Tara Costa Howard, Stephanie Kifowit, Lindsay LaPointe, Anna Moeller, Bob Morgan, Anna Stava Murray, Maurice West, Ann Williams, and Sam Yangling all on the bus.
1: Yeah. As I said, they're from either the north side of Chicago, uh, suburban Cook County, uh, Delgado's an each interesting one. If you recall, uh, Madigan oppo- opposed her appointment when she first uh, became appointed to fill that uh, vacancy for that state rep seat. So uh, I'm not surprised at all that she uh, turned against him. And then, of course, like Lake County, uh, but you said the diehards from Buffalo Grove. So these are areas where, again. These are sort of like the purple areas of Illinois. Madigan's not popular. And if the Democratic Party is going to prevail in those areas, uh, they don't need Madigan as a tool against them. This is why, again, Michael Madigan, if you want to stick around, you have to defend yourself. You have to give a reason for people to support you. And it's funny because everybody gets a little lawyer-like when it comes to these things, uh, you know, well, he hasn't been charged. Uh, he's it's the uh, all innocent to proven otherwise. Absolutely, that's the the case uh, in a in a criminal proceeding. But we're talking about a political proceeding, and we're talking about public perception, and we're talking about how the Republicans will continue to use Madigan to defeat everything, every initiative Democrats want to accomplish. Uh, unless Madigan somehow at this late moment in his career decides to radically change the way he does business and emerge from the back rooms and be a forceful champion of his own cause and his own political beliefs and his own democratic values. I I don't see that happening. This, this This guy has built his power on this mystique of Madigan in the back rooms, and only a few people get ushered in. He makes a few phone calls. He, doesn't, he just limits the public's access to him. So I don't think he's going to change any time. And I've been really thinking about what Edgar had to say. I don't know what these Dems are going to do who say they're not going to vote for Madigan. You know, I don't know. Until Madigan uh, steps down, which I don't see happening, or until some Democrat comes steps forward... Uh, to run against Madigan and try to win over the rest of the the Dems the 50, you said 55 were loyal to Madigan is that what you said D 55 sounds like a lot mm, Fifty. tell you what the, man, the man's a survivor but until that happens I don't know where we're going with this this will be a topic of conversation in the state of Illinois for the next month and the happiest people will be the Kenny G's of the world Because they will be exploiting it. They'll be exploiting it uh, every way they can to undercut, particularly union rights in the state of Illinois. Because one thing they despise is when workers have some rights that defend them from being just unduly fired, from being converted into at will employees, to having their pay cut. So yeah, this is not a great moment for Democrats. My beloved Democratic Party, you are in a pickle, my friends, trying to figure this one out. Hey,
0: Gazzardi, no one cares about the alligator in the lake anymore. Good lord, <laughs> still talking about this humble park gator thing.
1: <laughs> oh, the good old days—the gator and humble park. Think about the ga think about the summer. Was that 2019, D? Oh, yeah. Yeah, there was no pandemic. There was no Madigan. I actually think there was Madigan Gate. Uh that was the beginning of Madigan Gate. But it was all kind of in the distance, you know, and there was just a gator in the Humboldt Park Lagoon. And hipsters could just stroll over to the lagoon every day and you know, just sit out there and listen to Wilco, look at the gator and
0: Life was good, wasn't it, de- i I've seen a whole lot of catfish, some turtles. Uh, no gators yet, though. Yeah, now we got Gazzardi over here selling gator T-shirts on the bus. Hey, <laughs> knock it off. <laughs> was that Will Gazzardi uh, in that bit? It may have been. I don't know. I just have the audio. I don't know who actually said it. it could have been Gazzardi. All know? right, so there you are. And, Ben, I've been keeping track here, and I'm all caught up, all right? And uh, last time we checked, dude, you were on the bus. So, I I mean, I was listening to what you were saying here, so I guess we got to ask you one time here. Are you on or off? What's going on? Uh,
1: Where am I today? Hold on, D. Let me open the window and see which way the wind's blowing.
0: Uh,
1: You know, I don't want to get the speaker mad at me. You know, D, uh, the speaker gets mad at me. He'll take away my bathroom pass. Uh, I don't want to get in trouble. Can we all get along, D? Huh? Can we all get along? No. I, I'm I'm off the bus now.
0: I'm 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 off the bus. All right. I'm, I'm ride or die with Madigan. Off the bus. He's on the bus. He's off the bus. He's on the bus. Oh, I gotta go to the bathroom. Then he jumps off the bus. Our host, guys. He's a squirrely one.
1: <laughs> I uh I'm off the bus. It's ride or die with Michael Joseph Madigan. Show some respect, D. Sit up straight, okay?
0: No. And eat an apple. No. Well, I do like apples. <laughs> All right, everybody, that's the news. We're going to take a break here, but remember, you can find us on social media at Benny J Show, B-E-N-N-Y, the letter J Show, on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can always send us an email, Show at gmail.com. Leave your name and where you're from if you'd like us to read your... Email on the show. It's pretty helpful. And also, you can call us, 708-658-4788. That number again, 708-658-4788. Reach out to The Ben Jarofsky Show. We're not going to answer, but you can leave us a voicemail, and there's a good chance we will play your voicemail on the show. Maybe not the next day. In fact, it may be a month later, like uh, Mike Girardi's call from a few days ago, but... We will play (laughs) that voicemail, all right? Just hang tight with (laughs) us, okay, guys? It's just me and Ben doing this show. It gets a little overwhelming. (laughs) Several hats on the Ben Jarofsky Show, all right, guys? And uh, also, uh, if you're listening on the download, we encourage you to check out part two of the program. That's the Romano Rundown with Sun-Times editor Romana Hussain, and that's coming up next on the Ben Jarofsky Show. Don't go anywhere. Catfish, some turtles. Uh, no gators yet though.